On the phone right now, we've got the North Melbourne great 241 games, two-time premiership player and Fox footies and AFL's best analyst of the game, David King. G'day, Kingy. G'day, boys. How are we? G'day, Kingy. Yeah, not yeah, too mate. bad, not too bad. Um, how do we find you? Are we, I bet you can't wait for this time next week. Can't wait. It's been a long time coming. It's uh, been a different sort of build-up, hasn't it, with just the one pre-season the game again this year. So you get a little a little snippet of what teams are doing, but um, nothing's perfect and nothing's too serious. But um, we're just looking to get stuck in it and see who's failing, see who's firing, and it's very exciting. There's no doubt about that. Well, Kingy the Oracle here, mate. I heard that you reckon my nickname goes all right. So I love it. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I've got a question for you. <laughs> so I know you're bullish on Horn Francis, and we all are. So you get a choice. you got Matty Rowell, Sam Walsh, or Horn Francis. Which one are you taking? Oh, that's, that's an unfair one. I think that uh, you know, the kid that's 20, 24 or 23, I think, Walsh is actually, you're taking the 23-year-old because you sort of know what he's going to be. And I guess that's the old argument, Yeah. you know, about are we drafting too young? I mean, if you, if you know absolutely what you're getting with pick one, that he is the best player in the country, and we think we think that's Horn Francis today, but it might be Dacos. It might be... It might be um, Rochelle from Adelaide. It could be anyone. Um, so I, I think you take the known product is probably the simple answer. But I, when you haven't had a superstar at your footy club for 20 years, yeah. you're just clutching and hoping this guy is the, is the messiah. Well, he looks good, but I'll tell you what, Dacos looked pretty clean too in traffic in that Collingwood game. Yeah, uh, look, I did Jared Waitley on Monday, and I reckon they're bone crusher and our Waverley star for this year's rising star. They'll go head-to-head. All year, they'll swap positions, one will lead the other. But the simple answer for me is that it's far harder to play forward than it is to play back. So if if Horn Francis keep doing what he did on the weekend and what he's done through pre-season and kick a couple of goals a week and have 15 or so touches, 10 of them become scores... Then, then that's enough for me. Um, mm. and if you want to, if you want to bet on the, you know, or back the halfback flanker that gets thirty, long way from goal. That's. Uh, that, that, I don't think the Oracle will be doing that. Otherwise, you'd be looking no, for a new nickname. No, no, no. <laughs> no. But the Oracle did go to school in Wagga Wagga with the duck, and another bloke well, who, there you go. yeah, and, and another guy who you might know, Glenn Page. And yes, I, and, I do know Pagey well. Yeah, and Pagey, well, got, he went all right when he went back to the O and M. And I know the duck talks about him in his book. But I could never... Un- he was a jet playing junior football. Just you couldn't get the ball off him. But I could never understand why he was back pocket at the Swans and back pocket at North, and he never got a real crack. Well, just a small sample size of who you were hanging around with. There's no wonder you called the Oracle. I mean, they're not the sh- hardly the sharpest blokes hanging around, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, the Oracle yet, David. Actually, I could tell a story about Glenn Page. I'm sure you could do, but it's not for it's not for the air. <laughs> no, no, most of them aren't. The other bloke, the other bloke's got a few off here once. Yes. So, can you answer what whatever happened to Page? Like his, his brother was pretty good too. They were chalking. Brett was a taller marking player, whereas Glenn was the on ball a robust sort of player but he just never got a never got a crack at it yeah, it's funny isn't it? I, I think you've got to you've got to have a lot of luck at the start of your your, your journey you know in, in any in any opportunity you know whether the coach loves you whether you've got enough injuries around the, the edges to give you an opportunity you get into a, t- a team that, that sort of wins immediately is great um, and if you know very few changes are made to winning teams uh, if you start losing the first blokes out of the younger kids or those the coach is not uh, enamoured with. So you need a lot of luck in AFL footy to, to get a clean run at it. And once you get that first block of 30 games under your belt, 
I think you learn what sort of player you are personally and you, and you build from there. But without that, you can hover around the edges for three or four years and ultimately not play a lot of footy. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting though. Like I know Pager was a bit slow, but our number one ticket holder on this show is um, young Harry Perryman. I grew up with his yeah. old man and, and he's, he's playing some great footy, but he sort of goes under the radar a bit there at the Giants because they play him in the back line. He can't break into the mid. He goes to the wing. He can kick some goals. He can lock down forwards, but he just doesn't get the accolades that others are getting. So I hope you call his name a bit more. Well, he's played a bit of everywhere too. That's that's the beauty the beauty of him. He's played a little bit of back, a little bit of wing, a little bit of on ball. It's a tough team to get into when you know when they've got their full complement of midfielders. It's almost impossible to get in there. I saw he was back a bit on the weekend. Yeah, he was which back, I like yeah. him. I, I, I like him as a halfback flanker. I think he's he's really you know, competent overhead. He can win the ball back for you. He's beautiful skills. He'll take the odd risk. Um, so I, I think he spotted as a halfback flanker, and maybe maybe that he can he can settle there and play a block of games. Yeah, he's clean. He's very clean with the footy. Yeah, David Dasher yeah. here. Listen, mate, um, do you think we're drafting too young? Are we drafting too young? Was it? Yes. Yeah. Look, I'm a I'm a big believer in the American sports. Where pick one, you get the best you get the best kid or the best player in, in the land that's, that's up for grabs at 22, 23 years of age you've got a better understanding of who that is you have less errors so the, the pick order becomes the actual order of picking the best in the country second best third best fourth best and so on um, the odd risk will be made but it won't be made until about pick 20 that's what happens internationally and you just pick you pick for position it becomes a discussion of whether you want the on-baller or the key position player with that pick rather than a guy you think can become the best midfielder or the fourth best midfielder in the, you know, at that selection rather than you know, speculating. So I think we, we stress the system, we stress the kids at a bad stage of their lives. If, it was, if you were setting it up from day one, you would have the draft age of 21. There's no doubt about that. Let these kids get through their, their VCE years, let them get into uni or get into an apprenticeship and still still create great pathways and development programs. But let them let them work out who they are as footballers and who they are as people first and then put the pressure of AFL football on them. And they've mm. probably got a little bit of more senior football under their belt by that stage as well. Yeah, but, but what sort of senior footy is it? I mean, how many how many kids really... 21 and under have taken the game by storm. You could, you could name five players and I could name 400 that have that have been out and gone by the time they've turned 21. Yeah, fair call. Yeah, it's an interesting one though, but how do you, how do you get to that stage because I was an average footballer, but you know, they Very talk average. about yeah, you like, haven't seen me play, but I was average. I can't, you know, I've got to be humble. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, if you, if you, but if you're talking about, I hear a lot of players say that the VFL to the AFL is a massive jump. It's, it speeds a lot yep. quicker. I don't know if you ever got dropped to the VFL. You're probably too good, King. No, yeah, no, no, you wouldn't. No, so, did you notice? Did you notice the difference? Well, of course, there's a difference. Um, of course, there is. But I, I think that, um, like I said before, you've got to make sure that the, the next level competition. It has significant development. It has money spent on it. This will happen. I mean, we can disagree with it, but in five years' time, the list size will be 32, 35 maybe max. The best player in the, each team will be getting two million, two and a half million. There'll be less bread roll leaders that just hang around and 
soak up all your massage tables and your physio hours. The low-lying fruit. Yeah, the low-lying fruit. The guys that are speculative picks. I mean, they're there if they, you know, if they hit for you. But again, you know, are they still going to... So everyone throws back at me when I make that argument. You know, Dean Cox and and, and Aaron Sandlin, these sorts of guys that have come off rookie lists. But they're still going to go and play in the same comp that they played at despite being on a list. But instead of earning 120 grand and really not doing much, they're earning 25 grand and they're getting on with their lives. They're better prepared to handle life because they go to uni or they go and do an apprenticeship or or they take a path in their family business for three years before we stress them. So it's a different program altogether. I don't think you, I don't think you don't, you do or don't develop just because your name's on an AFL list. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Just to change tact, Michael Voss, will he be a better coach second time round? And where do you see Carlton landing? Well, he has to be, doesn't he? Mm. I mean, that's the simple answer. He has to be. I mean, he had a fantastic uh, coach of one season, thought they were ahead of where they were, um, and then he went and made all those you know, those acquisitions in one off-season. They got half a dozen players, including Fev, and, and were charging towards what they thought was going to be a premiership opportunity. He didn't get a lot of support up at Brisbane as a first-time coach. They didn't really have the management structure around him. His football manager left after about eight weeks and they didn't replace him. So it stressed every part of the program. So he didn't get a fair opportunity up there, in my opinion. So he goes away, does the hours, works out who he is as a coach, what he refines, what's important to winning. And he's gone to Carlton at the perfect stage of his life. I've been down there a couple of times. I've heard him speak. I, I love his message. It's, there's non-negotiables involved in how they play. Um, it's all about you know, the team. You know, park your ego in the locker before you go out and play. Um, it, it's, it's got all the right trade you know, ingredients to be a success. And, and I deep down think if Michael Voss is telling you something, you're taking it on board. You're taking every word on board. You know, it's very difficult to sort of sort of say, well, this bloke doesn't know what he's talking about when you've done <laughs> very what Michael's true. done. You, yeah. had him, you had him covered, though, coming out of the midfield, didn't you? I never went near him. He was too big <laughs> for me. And, 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 and one thing that often gets overlooked with Vossi, he was prepared to throw him. He was prepared to yeah. sort of have a go back at you because he just didn't care. He knew, yeah. he knew who he was. He knew he was standing in the game. He was a ripper. Um, you come up with great terms um, on Fox Footy and SEN and uh, wherever else you work, uh, but uh, Glitchmond is one that I liked, um, and the Tigers. Um, are they? Could they be the team that bounces uh, the furthest up the ladder? Had a horrible run last year with injury. Yep. You know, all their prime movers were out at the <coughs> wrong times, um, and then and then what, what, whatever what could go wrong did go wrong. You know, the coach had an awful start to the season personally, and it, it did. Whether you like it or not, it, it did permeate through the group. Um, you know, they get a clean run at it again this year. There's, there's some different names in there. They're playing some different spots. Bolts are up forward. Uh, Baker up forward. Shane Edwards back. Dustin Martin back. Prestia healthy. Um, Tarrant goes into that back line just as a Brian Lake type stopgap for two or three years and hopefully just, just does the job. So I, I just think all the questions we had over them or lingering, are they motivated? Are they, you know, are they still hungry for success? I think they've answered that already. Mm. I think this is a group that's, that's looking for another tattoo. And I, I love what they've done. I, I like the way they play. It challenges boring footy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. we, the, the competition needs Richmond because of the way they play and because of the staff back to players to be better than average, to be very good. 
to give us something to watch because it's quite refreshing. Well, we learned about we learned a bit about Liam Baker last year when they gave him some different roles because they had to. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about him tonight, actually, on 360. He came second in the Best of Ferris last year. Yeah, okay. I reckon if he walked yeah. into your studio tonight, you wouldn't know who he was. Yeah. So I no. think he's, he's Mr. Anonymous. He's, he's taken over the Shane Edwards role of uh, mm. 10 years ago. You know, but he plays. He, he played a third of the year at halfback, a third in the midfield, and a third forward, and comes second in the Best of Ferris. There's not many players could do that. He was good. He was really good. He's hard at the footy. He's clean. He's yes. clean. He's one touch. Um, he came into the, the AFL system as a as a goal kicker and he's played everywhere else but near the goals. So I'm looking forward to seeing if he can put on 25 to 30 goals this year. Right. And you're also saying you were sick of Melbourne's celebrations off air that uh, you're looking, you reckon that hopefully another 60 years until they win another one? Listen, that was that was between you and I. When you Sorry, David. In the region. But if we're going to do it on air, we might as well go big with it. You know, there's never been... I've had to put up with Richmond doing nothing for 30 years and then when they win one they were unbearable the Richmond fans then they won two then they won three it was out of control I have to say David I'm sitting the Melbourne fans sorry you just interrupted there for a minute I just want to put you in the picture I think the Melbourne fans after one flag have already gone past the sheer arrogance levels of the Tigers after three now you've really stoked the fire David we've got Jack sitting opposite the other side of the desk proudly wearing his Melbourne shirt so I'll tell you what I'll tell you what King you've probably probably realised we don't mind a bit of banter on this show so we had Dennis I heard you talking about Dennis Pagan off air so we had him on big guest you know big announcements in the media we've got the Pags on so he comes on we try and word him up before the interview before the interview listen we're going to talk about this bloke from Wagga because I'm from Wagga and we want you to yeah. sort of say you'd been up to Wagga and seen a few games and oh you'd seen this bloke and he couldn't kick over a jam tin oh, straight batted his back at us no we're not doing that shit boys no, <laughs> is that what he said? Yeah, yeah he goes, was... no, no, this is, this is no, 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 we don't play those games. We just, we just talk. <laughs> uh, he obviously uh, doesn't listen to our show regularly. Yeah, he's hard to move too. If he doesn't want to do anything, it's, uh, it's not happening. <laughs> it's like does he, does he still? I mean, does he still scare you when he walks past, or you see him <laughs> out and about? Listen, I'm in Essendon. He's in Mooney Ponds. It's about uh, they cross, they intersect. <laughs> if he's walking down the street on one side, I cross the road because that just he makes, still makes me nervous. Today. But he had he had a line for everything, you know. We'd walk in a train and say, "Here he is, size fourteen hat, size twenty five head, you know, that sort of stuff." He's had a way of pulling you back in the line. He had a, he had, a, he had a, a, a quip for everything you were trying to do, you know. But he, he was an amazing motivator. Yep. And, and I think this is what separates the greats. And we talk a lot about Luke Beveridge at the moment. When you're playing poorly. They pick you up. They bump you up. You know, you're important to us. you got to do this. Always give him the ball. You know, that sort of stuff. But when you're flying, it's the reverse. You're taking shortcuts, son. You haven't been here this week. Have you? Haven't seen you at extra skills. Haven't seen you. Haven't seen you doing weight. You look like you've lost a bit of size. All that sort of stuff. You know, just challenge. Just constantly challenging you to make sure you're the best you can be. And at the time, you think he's. At the time, you think he's a prick. But when your career finishes and you've got a couple of tattoos, you look back and you say, you know what? I think he was good for me. Yeah, shit, yeah. yeah. Just on, just on beverage. I've got one for you. Heard it here first. He's uh, got yes. a couple of kids. They both live in Queensland. Oh. He's got a timeline on. Uh, he's got an exit strategy. What if Gold Coast comes up? There, uh, there you go. Ooh, Gold Coast. 
Right. Well, well, yeah, what you're, you're a valley well, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going hard on Stewie Jew. I think Stewie is going to have a reasonable year yes. and save his skin. Well, I think, I'm, with yeah. you. I'm, I'm not I'm, saying I'm it'll be this year. I'm not saying it'll be this year, but uh, once <clears> the doggies start to tip over the edge, he's um, he might be looking for a move north. Right. Well, he's, he's unhappy with everyone at the moment, Bevo. Yep. He's unhappy with everyone that's had a comment to say about Tim English, a comment to say about Jamar Hagen. Second half so, of the grand final. Yeah, so we're all, we're all sort of we're all waiting we're all waiting to see what they produce this year. It's a, it's a, it's a big lot of goals that Aaron Norton's going to have to kick this year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Without Bruce there, without Jamara, question marks on English Martin as forwards. You know, he's now talking about Hannon and Bontempelli as a midfielder going forward. But geez, it's a big it's a big load of responsibility on Aaron Norton to kick what would have to be 65, 70 plus. Mm. Yeah, no, it seems like, yeah, that's a, that's a big number. Um, also, just uh, before we let you go, Kingy, um, we've got a question from our, another panellist, Boz, who's uh, travelling up in northern Queensland at the minute, but um, he wants to get this one off his chest. Oh, uh, in the 1996 grand final win, the great north uh, centre-half back, Ian Fairley, kicked a goal with his last kick in AFL. Was it a coach's call or a player driven to get him that goal before retiring? Well, I think, as it was, that we're talking to from yes, up north. we are talking about. It was. You generally get a good guide when a player gets the arse after their, their last uh, grand final. So I don't think Dennis was too happy with him running his own show and just pushing forward <laughs> to get goals. <laughs> no, but it was the perfect way to finish. I think he followed his man down, to be honest. Ian Fairley is the heart and soul of our back line there for, for a decade and just always did it with a smile and he's gone on to bigger and better things uh, thankfully enough for him in business so it's been he's been a fantastic teammate and now a fantastic ambassador well mate you've been pretty good too yes, I mean so I yeah, love listening to you your analysis of the game and um, I tell you what I do like is when they walk out onto the, when you walk out onto the field and talk to the players about stuff right. is that on Fox? that could be when we walk out and talk to them. Yeah, when you're talking yeah, to them before yeah. the game, I love that. Yeah, it's good fun. It's good mm. fun. And the players enjoy a bit of bit of, bit of, uh, bit of me time too. You know what they're like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, listen, so I, the Oracle. I, I, I really want, if you can do me a favour, Jack, Yes. just send me a copy of Daryl's highlight tapes, can you? Because I just want to go back and just see what sort of footballer he actually was. Oh, the Oracle? <laughs> yes. No, oh, the Oracle. Was yes. the Oracle saying? Yeah, yeah the Oracle. no, the Oracle's been poking fun. Well, we had the Hawk on here. We had the Hawk send on here. In. Yes. I'll send them in. What I'll do, I'll get them labbed up. I'll, I'll get our boys downstairs to lab up where you, where you went wrong. <laughs> We're going to have to scrape the recycle wow. bin of his computer. Yeah, back I when know. I was playing at Guinea, it was all black and white, but I've got a couple with Pagey in it. And you know what um, Kerry's nickname was back at school, don't you? I uh, don't know. Egghead. Egghead? Yeah, he had the big head. When you can fight, when you can fight like Wayne, <laughs> no one throws a nickname like that at you. Does, <laughs> hey, what, does Dick beat him or what? I think Wayne's scared of Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might be too. Of both of them. So yeah. just, just stay out of the way. The younger brother Sam's got nothing. No, we got him covered. I don't know Sam very well, but if, if I feel he's very unfortunate to be the younger brother of those two guys. <laughs> Look, David, if you, if you can put ten seconds aside, we'll send up the Oracle's yeah. highlights. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Not long. It won't be long. <laughs>
Hey, Kingy, we'll let you get back to work, mate, preparing for tonight's AFL 360. But thank you for joining us tonight, mate, and hopefully we stay in touch and get you on again. You're a legend. Uh, good on you, boys. Keep Thanks, up the good work. Thanks, really, mate. Uh, really good fun. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you. David you, King, the North Melbourne superstar, <laughs> two-time Premiership player, two-time All-Australian. He's good, though, mate. Oh, he's a, yeah, he's, absolutely. He's worth whatever they pay him. Oh, he's not worth, enough. Like, not he's, enough. It, the analyst, analyst is the best to watch.